Excellent. Okay, we'll have a report from Planning Director EJ. Commissioner Sevison here, and uh, as far as Commissioner Moss, who knows what's going on in Granite Bay right now. <laughs> but be because of the storm, we had, this morning we had a power outage. We, uh, I know a lot of people are having trouble getting on the computer and stuff and getting information for today's meeting. Our folks in the back uh, who run all the equipment and the PowerPoint are saying that we might have some delays also today. So just kind of bear with us. Uh, hopefully it won't interrupt the meeting too much, but uh, hopefully we'll uh, uh, proceed as normal. Uh, just a couple updates uh, at Tuesday's Board of Supervisors meeting, the Placer Vineyard specific plan, which uh, your commission acted on, uh, was continued to January. So that's now going to be going on January 6th to the board. Uh, also on January 6th is the Sheridan community plan uh, that was also continued. So that's at the board uh, at the, with the Board of Supervisors. As for planning commission, uh, starting out next year, the first meeting is going to be on January 8th, and it should be a fairly light agenda. Uh, we have one appeal item on that agenda, and we also uh, are going to introduce you to the Sunset Industrial Area Plan update, which uh, Sherry Conway is, uh, is leading, leading up, so uh, that would be good information. Uh, then later in January, we're going to have a second meeting on the 22nd. And we plan to be up in Tahoe for that meeting. There's several items that are uh, getting close uh, so where we can put them on the agenda. Uh, so that's, of course, we'll schedule it. It's going to be weather permitting. If we have a day like today, I, I will cancel the meeting because. <laughs> I think my second meeting and, and almost didn't get, we didn't get back from up there. Yeah, I guarantee you, uh, whoever was, whoever was in charge of that before, that's not going to happen again. <laughs> I heard that was an exciting time, oh. one that I don't want to be a part of next time. Uh, so that's all for uh, meetings that are going on. Uh, and then I uh, handed you all the invite. Uh, the Community Development Resource Agency is having a holiday party next Thursday on December 18th, which you uh, all are invited to. And uh, we would love to see you there, uh, just uh, intermingle with uh, you know the staff that you don't always see. Uh, in the agency and that you know that do a lot of work on all the projects that you you see so that's all i have for you if you have any questions uh, otherwise we can get started just a quick one uh, the continuation of the, of the vineyard project uh, was, was there a reason for that i mean what reason was there my, my understanding is that they're still trying to uh fine-tune the the fiscal analysis and study and get everything packaged together so I think it was just, you know, trying to get from the Planning Commission, the last meeting here in November, and trying to get everything packaged and ready for the board in January. Uh, it's just, you know, too much. Okay. too much and too little time. And so I think they want to just make sure all the, you know, all the ducks are on the row on that one. Okay, thank you. Okay. All right, thank, thank you. you. Okay, at this time, if there's anybody in the public that would like to comment on anything other than the issues that are before us today, now is your opportunity to come up and tell us what you think. Okay, seeing no one, we'll go to our 1005 item. Cambridge Estate subdivision gated entrance subdivision map modification. Um, and with 
that. Let's see, Sherry, I guess you're up on that. Oh, I didn't know if the PowerPoint was operational. <laughs> Good morning, gentlemen. Sherry Conway, Placer County Planning Services Division. We're here today to present a proposal by the Cambridge Estates. Make sure we do this. Yay! Homeowners Association. Yeah, I'm a little challenged. <laughs> For a subdivision map modification, the application the applicant is requesting. Can you guys hear me? It's a little bit much. Um, approval of a subdivision map modification to modify condition number seventy one to allow for the construction of a private gated entrance on Ashley Creek Drive, just at the entrance to the Cambridge Estates subdivision. This project was determined to be categorically exempt from environmental review. <clears throat> By way of background, the Planning Commission way back in 2001 approved the Whitebridge Estates subdivision. The name was later changed to Cambridge Estates. Final map was filed in September of 2004. The approval allowed for the creation of a 65 lot subdivision on approximately 184 acres. The streets within the subdivision are private and they are maintained by the HOA. Condition number 71 of the final conditions of approval stated a gated entrance is prohibited. Applicant is requesting uh, permission to allow for an eight foot six inch high gated entry that incorporates nine foot high uh, pilasters to be constructed at the entrance um, right here at the uh, intersection with King Road. The gated entry feature would be located on Ashley Creek Drive entirely within the private road easement. And I've provided some pictures. I want to scooch by the site plan real quickly. So as you come into the subdivision, kind of go downhill. Let's see if we can go back. So you're entering into the subdivision. You're actually dipping down. This is looking directly north. <clears throat> the proposed gate would not require a variance to the height requirement within a front setback as the structure would be located entirely within the uh, Ashley Creek Drive right-of-way. Just to give you an idea of the site, um, the entire Subdivision um, is located on the north side of King Road. It's approximately one and a half miles north of Interstate 80 in the Loomis Basin area. Site is zoned residential agricultural um, with a building site minimum of 100,000 square feet. Um, as I said, this main subdivision road slopes sort of down as you enter the site and then it starts to climb up the hill after that. And the overall site is characterized by moder moderate uh, topography with some rolling hills. Um, vegetation is essentially um, oak woodlands. There is a couple of are a couple of riparian areas that switch back through this subdivision. So essentially, the issue um, for the applicant's request stems back to the when the first lots were being developed around 2005. Um, the homeowners expressed um, some concern that there's an ongoing issue of non-residents, primarily teenagers, who enter the private subdivision. Again, kind of going back to, oh, I'm so challenged. <laughs> As it comes in off of King Road, they enter the subdivision and um, 
the applicants indicated it, it seems to be an attraction for young people to ride skateboards and bicycles and motorcycles on these wide and steep roads. So recognizing that this could have been a safety concern, the uh, residents in an effort to curtail these unsafe activities posted signs at the bottom of the hill, you know, discouraging um, trespassing. And despite uh, that effort in 2008, a young uh, high school student was killed right here in the subdivision after he, he and his skateboard uh, collided with a truck um, at the top of Ashley Creek Drive. Um, and after this tragic accident, the Homeowners um, Association explored a number of traffic calming devices in an effort to discourage uh, any future um, tragedies of this nature. But they've concluded the only way to truly eliminate the trespassing issue um, would be to gate the primary entrance here. Go back to the map now. This is a site plan of the proposed project as it enters in off of King Road <coughs> and then slopes to the north. So first talking a little bit about traffic and circulation. Uh, the Engineering Surveying Division as main concern regarding any gated subdivision road entrance is of course vehicle safety. A passenger vehicle or single unit delivery truck which cannot gain access through that gate <coughs> should be able to safely maneuver that vehicle around and enter King Road in a forward facing direction. So in order to address this turnaround issue, the Homeowners Association acquired and recorded easements on both lots. Tell me how to do this plan. Ah, oh, there it is. Okay. So this lot and this lot, they were able to acquire easements to allow them some additional room, ultimately, that will be required and necessary to accommodate that turnaround uh, radius. The proposed gated entrance, as shown in the revised site plan, uh, does now provide for that adequate vehicle turnaround, um, and so that a vehicle can now enter the right-of-way, King Road, in a forward-facing direction. When the initial application first came in for this project, um, it showed a site plan that depicted the gate structure to potentially be located um, within some environmentally sensitive areas, including the 100-year floodplain to uh, the tributary uh, to Secret Ravine, to also be relocated within the seasonal stream setback area. Uh, the gate structure was also potentially going to impact the wetland preservation easement, as well as uh, some protected oak trees. And so the applicant was responsive to staff's concerns, and they engaged a professional wetland biologist to evaluate the potential conflicts between the footprint of the gated entry project. Um, so. Subsequently, by redesigning and relocating the gate structure, let's see, they were able to avoid all of these sensitive areas. You can kind of see this is now the new location of the gate structure, so completely outside of those areas. I'd like to speak to the proposal with regard to community plan consistency. Embedded within the Placer County policy documents are several references that discourage entry features such as gates into subdivisions. Um, specifically, Placer County uh, General Plan Policy 1.B.9 does state that the county shall discourage the development of isolated, remote, and or walled residential projects that do not contribute to the sense of community desired for the area. 
Furthermore, the Horseshoe Bar Penryn Community Plan goes on to say that we should provide for residential development, which creates functional, attractive, cohesive neighborhoods, which are reasonably integrated with adjoining neighborhoods. Having said that, in general, gated subdivisions have not been supported in newer subdivisions unless there have been extenuating circumstances and then have been evaluated by your commission on a case-by-case -case basis. And while there are no other gated communities along King Road in the Loomis area, the proposed location of the gate is approximately 190 feet north of the county right-of-way. You can kind of see that. And as I said, will be located entirely within the private right-of-way. This project did go forward to the Horseshoe Bar Municipal MAC um, back in November, and they voted, uh, I believe, five to one to recommend approval of the gate. Um, I wanted to just kind of flow through a few other photos of the site to give you a sense as you descend into the subdivision. Yes. Because that's Back. a good one to point just about where the gate would be. If you right. I've got one even closer. So now we've dropped down, and right where you see that county vehicle is about the location of the gate structure. So you're coming down, down, down toward the creek, and then you start to climb up beyond that. I think... At this point, imagine you are sitting on top of the gate. This is this a continuing looking north right before the bridge crossing of that tributary. And then finally, it's just before. Just before. So if we go back to this slide. Correct. Maybe go back to just to the first slide where it shows the monument looking down. And then, then that way, yeah from there and give them an idea of how far it is. Yeah, one more. To the back. very first one. One more back. This yeah. seems to be like a, a slow delay. There we go. Okay. So if I'm, I'm right here, standing in King Road. It's on the north side of King Road. So I enter the subdivision, and you can see, kind of get an idea of the grade. Where the bridge is there, but this helps visually. Where's, where's King Road? Is it on this side or on the other side? It's on this side. King Road. It's here in front. Yeah. Okay, that's okay. So that's the entrance. Pictures taken probably from yeah. about uh, halfway in the middle of the road, right there. You can kind of see the guardrail down there. Exactly. In fact, the the sign that the residents posted, the homeowners association posted, the no trespassing sign is here. It's just before the bridge crossing, about the location of where the gate will be. It's approximately 190 feet from the county right of way. So here's King Road. If I'm traveling. Um, from Interstate 80, what would be south, I'd make a left-hand turn into the subdivision, and this is the entry feature that's currently there. It's staff's conclusion that due to the, the distance, 190 or so feet, and the grade of the road, it will be, I think the speed limit is probably 40, 45 miles an hour there. It would be difficult in your vehicle to not to notice it as you were driving by. Um, here's the site plan again that shows the distance in the turnaround bulb that again was going to be facilitated by the uh, easement that was acquired. Gate is here, the bridge is here. So maybe see a little bit of the topography so it does slope downward 
to the creek and then it starts to climb upward. And I think the last slide I had the elevation. So this is right at the gate location. And then here's a proposed drawing of the gate. And I'd be happy to answer any questions that you might have. Yeah, Sherry, uh, <clears throat> the original uh, uh, conditional permit or permit, use permit, uh, talked about trails and, you know, horses and pedestrians and that kind of stuff. Is the intent here to uh, limit pedestrian and other uses within this subdivision with a gate or are the pedestrians and other people still going to have access? That's a, that's a great question. Um, in fact, uh, someone from the public at the Municipal Advisory Council meeting asked the same thing. Uh, nearby resident from further down um, on King Road typically takes his morning walk up through this Cambridge Estate subdivision and he was concerned that his walk may no longer be permitted and uh, representatives of the homeowners association who were there who are here today uh, committed to this gentleman and to the, the general neighborhood um, that they would be provided the code to the gate to permit that you know that type of ongoing activity their concern is to eliminate the young people from bringing their wheeled vehicles into the subdivision um, and in your packet I think are some other photos taken way high up where you get a sense of the the width of the road the smooth pavement and the grade um, that's I guess very beckoning for skateboarders I don't know I don't skateboard but um, so certainly adults responsible folks who enjoy walking through this neighborhood if you've ever been up there it's, it's beautiful um, it's hilly so a lot of folks expressed um, interest in continuing to have this available to them as a recreational resource mm -hmm. on the, in the King Road Court. Well, are there trails that were constructed within the subdivision? There are some trails at the bottom of the subdivision. I don't know further up. There is a, an emergency exit on the very top of the subdivision. Um, the people that were at the MAC meeting were just simply people that enjoyed walking the streets of the, um, of the complex. So... If that's the case, then the, the answer is no. This gate wouldn't preclude folks from continuing to access the area. For but they would have to know somebody and ask permission? They would. They would. Sure. So in essence, it does. It becomes, becomes, it does become easier. a little bit more of a, an arduous task, yes. I well, suppose that's true. But they're not. I don't think there's any public trails through there. Right, that, I know, that's, that's what I was asking. If I may, if I could jump in here, they're, they're, the only condition trail when this project was approved was along King Road, Road. So, and that would be all in front of the gate. Uh, but internal to the project, I'm not aware of a trail network. Okay, that, that answers it. Yeah. Right, right along the, the frontage of King Road, there's a, a small trail. I don't think we have a photo of it, but, um, and that's, that's a public trail. But it is, you know, this is horse property up here. There are homeowners that have and raise horses within this subdivision. Um, and obviously they would have gate access as well. Um, fire department uh, also worked with us and the applicant to design and locate the gate in a way that would accommodate their vehicles getting in and out. Um, and their conditions are included in uh, your report. Yeah, so the 
the few trails that there are, I noted stem in either direction right here, right about where the current entry uh, feature is located. Just a little bit, a little bit. On the emergency access, uh, it appears that there's sufficient for the fire. Obviously, they've approved uh, for emergency access. What about ambulances, uh, aside from fire vehicles? I know they usually respond, obviously, to the same event, but uh, is there access for them as well? Right, and I believe embedded in Chief Benton Court's conditions of approval are his requirements for the knockbox and the code to be provided for so that those can be used emergency by ambulances as exactly well. emergency services right. mm -hmm. okay. is there a concern since the county really discourages gates uh, in developments uh, that this might set somewhat of a precedence that others may want to request the same thing because there's a lot of these types of developments around, especially in the Loomis area. Exactly, and as I said, there are no others right in the immediate vicinity on King Road that have that gated feature. Um, I think that's always a concern, and that was expressed at the MAC by the one you know MAC member who voted uh, to oppose the project, mm -hmm. in that it wasn't equitable to other, you know, subdivisions in the area. Um, the unique nature of this subdivision um, and the unfortunate tragic event that occurred there compelled these homeowners to take this kind of uh, request forward to you today. I think were it not for this incident, it, it might be a different uh, scenario that we, we would be considering today. And one of the things, if I'm not mistaken, from my memory on the Granite Bay plan is it doesn't say there can't be any gated communities, they're discouraged, right? Well, and again, this is uh, part of the Horseshoe Bar Penryn Community Plan. Uh, the Granite Bay Community Plan well, kind of starts yeah. just to the south. Yeah. Um, but that's correct. And certainly there is no specific language in the Horseshoe Bar right. Penryn Community just Plan. Just they're discouraged. Well, we I think try the Granite to, Bay yeah. Plan actually goes beyond discourage, from what I remember. Mm, I think all of them, because you can't say exactly no well I think uh, I think from what I remember when we did the granite bay plan it went beyond just discouraging what's it has to do uh, that's correct in, in fact the granite bay community plan update that was done they they provided specific language in particular instances when gates could be allowed and if you didn't meet that criteria you know gates would not be supported this horseshoe bar uh, pendant plan you know much different languages is discouraging gates, but no, nothing specific to his, you know, what would qualify or not qualify. Let me see, I might, uh, this is a little bit off the topic, but we're talking about uh, safety issues. And uh, when you talk about the, uh, putting a gate in the front, you know, in the emergency evacuation in the fire department, there is a, uh, uh, evacuation route in the back Correct. of the subdivision, I think between lots one and 50 or something like that. And uh, at any rate, that has a very stout gate on it. And it does have a sign that says that if you uh, need to go out, you'll need to bump the gate with your car and break the chain. But then when you look at the gate itself, it's got a real stout lock on it. 
And so at any rate, uh, for the people in the subdivision, I'd say you probably need to have the fire department look at that particular gate and see if that really meets the current standards for uh, people that need to evacuate the subdivision when there's an emergency that blocks it off from the front. Commissioner Johnson, that, uh, um, I might point out that there are two sets of conditions that you're considering today. One is the modify, modification of the original subdivision conditions. And then if you go to your page 46, there are the new conditions proposed for the skate. And there are uh, three conditions, uh, specifically 16, 17, and 18, addressing, I think, what, what your concern is. Okay. Uh, and it's the requirements of the fire department and how the skate would be designed. Okay. And so I'd say they need to look at both entrances and exits. I, I think that's a point well taken, and I'll communicate that to Chief Betancourt. Again, the subdivision, the improvements went in, um, you know, in 2004, and just now many of these parcels are starting to be developed. So mm -hmm. fewer than half of them are actually built out, and so perhaps that was one of the reasoning went before these homes were constructed maybe. Uh, but I, th I think it would be very good if the fire department will be reviewing the set of improvement plans if this project is approved for this proposed gate. It would be a good opportunity for him to, to revisit the um, the secondary, the okay. emergency one at the top of the hill. Okay, any other questions? Okay, thank you. Would the applicant or representative like to call? Good morning, my name is Skip Andre, one of the residents of Cambridge Estates. So um, I'm here to answer any questions you may have. Um, also to give a little bit of input from uh, some of the questions that you just had. Uh, the fire department in the last month has been working on the back gate uh, because it's been broken open um, about three times in the last uh, four or five months. So they've been out there with recommendations on what type of lock to put on there and how to do it. Um, Tony LaPlante, who is the HOA um, president, uh, is also um, works at the fire department in uh, city of Roseville. So he's been talking with the fire department, meeting him out there, figuring out what type of lock that they want to put on there. And yes, it is a very stout gate. Um, and it's had uh, other items added to it so the motorcycles don't come and go underneath it, uh, which they've been doing. And so now that's eliminated that portion of it. So they've been, um, they figured out how they want to have that lock and that's been installed on the uh, gate itself. And I spoke with Mr. Bentoncourt uh, three weeks ago, and we went over all the items um, as far as safety issues and what the fire department is requiring. And we meet all those standards. And those items will be in the conditions that are attached to the CCNRs, and which are trying to be approved at the same time for the modification. So. Um, Mr. Bentoncourt uh, talked to me about all the design, where the gate is, he, how deep it is in there. He's comfortable with a fire truck coming in, being able to back out um, if they don't want to turn around. And he said that's fine, adequate as far as how far the gate is into the subdivision. Um, he likes it because it's far enough off the road that there's no stacking out, uh, which would impact King Road. 
and we've put the entrance box, as you can see on the right side where the gray area is, there's a, the check-in station where cars come in and go around to the right of that uh, for guests, and then they can punch in. If there's residents, they can just drive straight through while someone's getting permission to come in the gate uh, to stop uh, traffic from backing up into King Road. It's one of the new designs that they've come up with instead of having it in the middle where it starts stacking up. So putting it on the side when cars can come around, it makes it easier. Um, we did move the gate a couple different times to accommodate um, and stay out of any sensitive areas um, and got the easements adequate far enough out where we can get the um, turnaround which uh, the amount is required by the fire department. So we have um, TSD engineering had all the guidelines and that's what they designed it to meet that standard. So Mr. Bentoncourt looked at it and he said everything looks good, just add these conditions to your CCNRs and he said he'd be fine with it, but also it has to go to him um, on the final improvement plans, which have already been developed, but he'll have to go over those and review them and approve them. Uh, to answer, uh, ask a few more, or answer a few more things, um, the people that have been coming in there, um, it's all different types of skateboards, longboards, and homemade tricycles. I was out there one evening and these teenagers drove in there with a pickup truck, probably about 16 years old, and they're unloading these tricycles, they're about this tall, with um, big uh, places for your feet on the front wheels, no brakes, and they all got on them and rode down the hill, which is very steep. It's a series of downgrades. So I drove down there and I got down to the bottom of the first grade and all three of them were off, went off to the side and they all crashed and they were just getting up as I got there. So I explained to them the safety issues that we have and the tragedy that's happened before, uh, asking them if they would uh, consider not coming back again. Um, they were very polite and left, but um, another incident was I was out in front and a van came up and parked. Um, her son got out the side with a skateboard. She drove to the bottom of the hill and he skateboarded down. And um, I'm not out in front all the time, but that was just some of the incidences over the last few years that I've witnessed. But um, we do have skateboarders, longboard um, teenagers, I guess they talk to each other, but they, they come in there and you can start at the top of the hill and it goes down several different streets and you can go down almost a half a mile uh, without stopping. So it's very attractive to them. So in our meetings at the HOA meetings, uh, we've discussed every different type of discouragement to try and stop the teenagers from coming in. So we posted signs about three years ago and that hasn't stopped it. Um, we've talked about speed bumps throughout the whole entire subdivision, which would take quite a few. And we've talked to the fire department about it. We've done research on it and they've discouraged us from doing that. They said a gate in front would be much better than having uh, speed bumps throughout the community because of the response time to get to people that are having a heart attack or trying to get their trucks over them without damaging their equipment. So we've um, spent a lot of time on it. Um, Steve Reeder was, uh, he is a retired uh, Placer County Sheriff 
and he resides in the subdivision. He was a, the president of the association for two years, and we talked about it at every single meeting, what we could do to discourage the teenagers from coming in um, because of the tragic accident. And these long boards are where the teenagers, they lay down on them, so they're only this high off the ground, and they're very long, and they have no brakes, and they go down all the different roads. So that's when a truck backed out in front of them when they were going down, and two of the teenagers were able to get around the truck, and the third one hit the truck um, and died instantly. So we're concerned about it for um, their liability and our liability. Um, and I don't know, as far as the back gate, we have a new resident that just um, built a house just outside the gate, and so now we're going to have someone there to help watch, making sure that motorcycles can't come through and climb under the gate or around the gate. We put up a, a fence um, 200 feet long on each side, uh, which goes to the creeks to where they can't drive, uh, or ride their motorcycles around to get in. And um, that has stopped that part of it, but um, it's the skateboards and longboards and the other items that people bring in that they want to ride down that are homemade and they're not very safe. Hmm. So uh, as far as the trails, the trails do run across King Road. There, I'm not aware of any trails inside our subdivision. Um, the streets go all the way out to the, the property lines. There's no dirt trails on either side. Uh, there's um, one horse property in there next door to me. Um, they have horses, but they take them uh, to an arena in uh, Loomis where their uh, children ride. Uh, they don't ride their horses inside the, uh, around the streets because it's all asphalt. And I can't think of anything else to add to that. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> you know, just as, you know, I can, I can appreciate the fact that uh, there was a tragedy and it's something that really needs to be taken into account in your attempts to uh, deal with it. I really appreciate that. I guess the question that kind of goes through my mind is, uh, you know, I've, I've seen the hills there, and I think there's a lot of hills in Placer County. Uh, I guess somehow probably when the subdivision was first put in and the roads put in without the houses, the, a lot of the kids probably uh, found the area and thought this is an excellent escape park. And so they started using it, and, and it became an attraction to them. And so... Uh, you know, I can kind of visualize that being uh, the problem. And, of course, the attraction idea and the kids that, you know, still, uh, still is present in a lot of the kids' minds. But I'm wondering if over time, uh, you know, this subdivision, when it builds up, and it's getting built up now, I notice that, when it builds up, if uh, the nature changes and it no longer becomes uh, an attraction, and so, uh, so the actually the use goes away, and uh, and so you know, just the thought is you know you have a gate now that really is not absolutely consistent with the community plan, but uh, you know maybe it's not needed anymore. Do you have some thoughts there? I do. Um, there are two point three acre minimum lots. So the houses are set quite a ways off the road. 
and most of the houses are designed where you don't have um, the kitchens areas where people are usually visiting to be able to look out on the street. They're mostly to the back of the houses. And there's a lot of landscaping across the front. So you can't really see the people coming in and out and going up and down the streets. And the houses are very far apart. Um, I don't know that that would change the, the mindset of the young people to come in there and use the roads because it's very seldom that people are able to go see the kids and talk to them and ask them to leave. Mm -hmm. And it well, takes I guess one what I'm wondering is, uh, you know, this is one subdivision in the area, and there's many more. And so, uh, you know, do you really have a unique situation going here or not? We have very long, long streets, and it goes down and around um, several different ways with all of the hills. Uh, it goes from one to the other, and the circle around the middle is one mile, and they can start up on a cul-de-sac on the top like the other boys did, come down, you can turn and go all the way down, and it's over a half mile in length that they can longboard or skateboard. Um, I haven't seen too many other subdivisions that are <coughs> have the uniqueness that this one has, um, and it's called from the attorneys say it's an attractive nuisance, and that we're liable if somebody does get killed in there. They were surprised or, you know, that something didn't happen as far as a type of a lawsuit coming against the association. But that was a concern that was brought up at several of the meetings, uh, at the homeowners meetings, because of the way that the subdivision is conformed on the long hills. And I don't think, you know, that part of it isn't going to change. So from there, that's what we determined that it, it's best to have the gate to stop somebody else from getting hurt, whether a minor hurt or major hurt or a death. Mm. I'm just wondering if every other proposal subdivision like yours that comes into the area uh, will now want a gate. Well, That's we, we have, um, like I said, over 100 acres there, and they're very long and uh, a lot of topography to the whole subdivision. There's not a level street in the subdivision. Um, I've looked at uh, other ones around the area. Um, um, trying to think of the one that, there's another one that they did put a gate in because they had similar type property uh, problems, but not um, a tragedy. But that's up by Folsom Lake in Granite Bay. Um, other than that, I can't answer your question as far as right. other subdivisions. I understand, I understand. You know, I guess I would say, though, there's several hills in Placer County and several roads that, that uh, kids do skateboarding down. Now, well, these are very I'm just going to have to struggle street. with the uniqueness of your situation, and I'll do that. Well, these are very smooth streets. We have them resealed every three years. It's in our CC&Rs that we have to do that. And they're extremely smooth. And for the skateboarders, it works real nice for them. And uh, that's probably one of the things that's not going to change. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. okay. Thank you, Skip. Thank you. Appreciate it. Is there anyone else in the audience that would like to speak on this issue? Seeing none, I'll close it off and bring it back to the commission for discussion or motion. I'd, I'd just like to start off making uh, a comment because I've been around long enough for the, for these plans and one of the 
issues I've always had with this no gated communities is just like the Loomis Basin Horsemen's saying, well, if somebody had a 10 acre parcel and they put a gate out in front of their yard, you know, for their protection and stuff, it's fine. But if a subdivision comes in where it's private roads, all the liability on the roads, because I'm very surprised that with the death on it that the association wasn't sued with the person driving the vehicle and all, you know, everybody involved because having a business, I've been there, I've seen that where it's not my fault, but, you know, it been attacked. So I always had an issue with this and normally when it's come up and unless the roads are turned over to the county where it's public roads or something, if it's private, I figure whether it's one acre parcel or a 10, 15, 50 acre parcel, if somebody puts a gate there and there's no public trails, you know, any reasons for any private person, you know, to be a, that's not an owner of the property or an invited guest, that pretty much they should have as much rights as a single individual putting a gate in front of their residence. So that's just my, my two cents on that. Yeah, I guess. I guess so, uh, you know, I guess what you just said though is not absolutely consistent with the community plans who discourage. Well, I, to, to me the consistency is, is if it's all public access where it's public roads throughout a subdivision where a subdivision comes in and the, the roads you know development are turned over to whether you know the county for their responsibility of maintenance and stuff then it is public access but pro to me private access is private and th I've always thought that I mean it's whether it's a single person with one acre or it's a subdivision with 15 people in it. I mean, if, if the whole subdivision got together and said, hey, let's try to make these public roads and turn the responsibility over to the county, then there's some shielding there, you know, liability and, and stuff. But it's always been my personal thing. It's just a, it's a rights because I see it and eroding and I can, I can understand. I, I, it's not that I have an issue with when they say we don't want any gated communities in our plan, but if if it's private, it's no no different when you have somebody give you a letter here saying, well, we want them not to have any gates like we could have ourselves on our private you know parcel of land. It's the same thing. I mean, I've seen in the county where it's a subdivision and they don't want it gated and the roads are private and then you drive down to it and, and every private parcel along the way has a gate right out in front. And I, I don't know, I, I think this just really qualifies for a gated entrance. Okay, I mean, just kind of maybe ask you a question because I wasn't here in 2001, I think you were. The language in the use permit is quite strong in terms of prohibiting the gate. I don't know what the discussion was back then. Well, the discussion at the 
at the time, there were some, and I guess I was on the other side of the You vote. were the one no vote? <laughs> I've been there before. <laughs> uh, I could speak through it. I, you know, this is what you know, part of the planning process is. There's going to be situations where it calls for the consideration of something that's outside of what the plan originally had presented. And um, I believe, from my perspective, that uh, this community has done everything they can to address this issue. They have a unique problem here, and that they have, again, exhausted all other opportunities. And I think that's important that they have tried other things to try to mitigate this problem. And they've not obviously been successful, and so this only leaves them to do this. Now, not every project, every development out there is going to be in this same kind of situation. And we, the planning department, and we as the commission have the option to say it doesn't raise to the level of, you know, saying that you should have a gate in your development. Uh, you say it doesn't or it does? It, well, I'm saying, uh, other I, I'm speaking broadly as other oh. projects come in, we have the opportunity to say that doesn't, again, raise to the level of needing a gate. So uh, I... I'm willing to go ahead and I could make a motion uh, to support this because I believe it's justified in this case. It may not be in every case, but this one I believe is justified to approve it. Yeah. No, I, um, I'm usually uh, against <clears throat> gated communities. Of course, I live in Roseville and where the lots are basically city-type lots, you know. And, uh, and when you have people, you know, four or five to an acre <clears throat> and, then, and you try and put all these gates and you pretty much relegate everybody to walking down the down the freeways, as I call them, the, the, the main drags in Roseville, high speed and what have you. But in this particular case, um, not only the rural nature, the private roads, the um, the issues with that prop, this property, I, I believe it's, it's justified. But I think the, the issue with the private roads, I think, is, is one of the biggest ones. Um, you know, if it's a public road, then it'd be a whole other issue because right. a public road is a public road. I mean, people have a right to be on a public road. I mean, I think they do anyway, right. unless they're drunk or something else. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, so I think this does come to the level that we do have to make those, I won't say exceptions, but judgment calls, uh, or else we, I guess we wouldn't have a job if we wouldn't, we just turned over to staff. But we have to make, hear the debate if other people were in the community to oppose it or even support it, and we'd have to make, you know, the decisions based on that. So thank you. Okay. Could I chime in something? I'm sorry. Sure. This is Rebecca Tabor from Engineering and Surveying for the record. Um, I just wanted to point out that the the roads are privately maintained and they're, they're private roads, but it was mapped with an irrevocable offer of dedication to Placer County over the private roads in the event in the future, if ever, the HOA wanted to hand them over to the county to maintain. So there's there's an element of public interest over these private roads, and there's a condition of approval that says that they would need to abandon that IOD. So once they abandon that IOD, the public no longer has an interest at all. In You're saying that would be part of the decision today, to abandon that? It's a condition that you would be approving or recommending. Number 13. So prior to the improvement plan approval, the HOA would need to process an abandonment of that 
irrevocable offer of dedication to the public of an easement for road purposes over lot A. Lot A is, is over all of the, the roadways in the subdivision. And that has to go to the board, and it's a separate process. It, it goes through DPW's right-of-way agent um, for the abandonment process. But you have to go to the Board of Supervisors? To get the abandonment for the IOD, yes. And once that happens, they're completely private roads. There's no public interest remaining. Would uh, they have to bring it up to county standards, or is it currently at county standards? It was constructed to county standards. Yeah. So I think part of the reason that the conditions in the original subdivision, um, the use permit subdivision conditions were so strong about no gate was that there's, there's a Public, yeah. IOD over those roadways that they could be accepted for future county maintenance and we can't have a gate over a public road. Right. So these are the steps you have to take to get there. You'd, you'd come forward, ask to modify that condition and then the, the one about no gates, and then you'd also have to abandon the IOD over the private roads. So is, I, just to get this clear, is this already stated that that has to happen as a condition of yeah, the it is, so yeah. that we don't have to put that into our yes. motion, it's already there, right? Yes, yes, you're right. Um, condition 13, it's, it's right. clearly spelled out that that's a step they, they, they need to take prior to improvement plan approval. And I'd like to ask, uh, be the devil's advocate now, what happens at a future date if they did want to re revisit that and and yeah. want to make those They'd have pub to take the gate public, out. would, yeah, would the gate have to come out? Yeah. Yes. They'd have to. They, they, there would be some steps to take, and the gate so, would have so to So there's a, there's a mechanism there because you said the gate couldn't be across the public street. Right. So if they ever in the future wanted to wanted to give the, or dedicate this, this, the roads to this county, then th there's a mechanism that said that so, says automatically they would have to take the, the gate down. Um, they couldn't have a gate over a public road, so that would be an okay. obstruction. <laughs> that would have to be removed. And then there would be some steps as far as uh, a vote to get into some kind of um, maybe a public road district or some kind of service area. Yeah, it's very, very unlikely if we uh, uh, go with the conditions that are listed here that it ever would be a public road of the future. Correct. It would most likely stay private. But I'm just saying if they ever wanted to. Yeah, it'd be the association that would make that decision. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the county would have to accept it if they. Right, but yes. I mean, it would be the association pushing just like they want gates now if they wanted right. to remove them in the future. They've been there long enough that I'm thinking. I'm just second guessing that the county would be very reluctant to accept it, if even if the association wanted to turn it over to the county. But I'm second guessing there. Okay, okay. Wayne. Well, I'm ready to take motion. a stab at it here. Well, I had it up here a minute ago. Okay. Um, do we need to deal with CEQA in a separate motion or uh, one? You can make it in the same motion as long as you've indicated that that's, there are two subparts to your motion. Okay. Well, the first I would say is that as, as regards to the Cambridge estate that we're going, uh, that I would move that we accept the map modification of condition 71 to allow a private gate to be constructed on Ashley Creek Drive. Uh, is there anything else I need to state on that? You need to. Um, I, you know, I'll 
get the sequel, but I want to make sure I've addressed the first part. Was that sufficient? I think you did. You make your sequel exemption? No, I haven't done that yet. I, I'd recommend you do your sequel exemption first. Oh, okay. All right. And then make your motion, um, as you just indicated, to approve the modification and subject to the findings and both sets of conditions. Uh, I would uh, then make a motion that we categorically exempt this project from the, the CEQA uh, process. I'm not sure how much detail you want in there, in that motion. You want all the detail with all the numbers and everything in that? Is that necessary? Okay. All right. Is that sufficient enough? Yeah, you've got the, you got And the then obviously I already said the other part of that is to accept the, uh, you know, uh, modification. And the, it, to, uh, all the attachments. Right. The, and all of the required, uh, obviously, conditions that go along with that. Second. I have a motion to second. Roll call. Yes. I'm going to say no. Yes. Yes. Uh, motion carries. If anybody would want to appeal this, they have 10 calendar days, and the appeal fee is $546. Okay. Does anybody need to take a break, or are you ready to go right on the I'm okay. go, go ahead. Okay. We'll go ahead, and thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Well, here are number two item. Uh, Miles Residen Residential Care Home, third-party appeal as zoning administrators of approval of a minor use permit and mitigated negative declaration. Good morning. Okay. <laughs> oh, Melanie. <laughs> I didn't see you sitting out there. <laughs> this project is the third party appeal of a minor use permit that would allow for the Malay residential care home. The project is zoned residential agriculture with a 4.6 acre minimum parcel size and consists of five acres. The property is located off of Rasmussen Road in the Loomis area, approximately four miles from the intersection of Penryn Road and Interstate 80. The property is developed with a 5,000 square foot single family residence, a approximately 1,200 square foot secondary residence, and an approximately 2,700 square foot guest home. The project would encompass the operation of a residential care facility for up to 12 um, clients. And the um, clients would be split up evenly. Six would be housed in the secondary residence and six would be housed in what is now the guest home. An appeal was uh, received by Dina DeLapp uh, 10 days after the hearing um, for the minor use permit uh, contesting the approval of the minor use permit and the adoption of the CEQA document. The appellant cited five issues as the basis of the appeal. The use conflicts with the applicable land use plans and zoning requirements. Uh, I'll go ahead and answer one by one. Uh, 
staff reviewed the general plan, the community plan, Horseshoe Bar community plan, and the zoning ordinance, and found that the project would be, uh, would not conflict with these plans because they allow for residential uses and uh, a residential care home for more than seven clients. And therefore, we determined it was consistent. Uh, number two, approval of the care home would be a reasonable accommodation consist, uh, de as defined by state law. Uh, staff reviewed this and reviewed the state law as well as the Placer County Zoning Ordinance. The reasonable accommodation definition in the zoning ordinance, consistent with state law, uh, the intent of it is to allow for reasonable accommodation for disabled persons when the use that they're seeking is not allowed within the zoning or excuse me, the, um, the zoning. So uh, that's generally what it's intended for. Because this uh, care home is allowed, it's an allowed use within the residential agricultural zone district and allowed within the rural, rural estate, uh, horseshoe plan um, delineation, uh, it has no need for a reasonable accommodation and therefore it does not apply and does not cons uh, conflict with um, the general plan, the community plan, the zoning ordinance or state law. Number three, the care home is inconsistent with the surrounding rural neighborhood. This was reviewed by staff um, and the rural neighborhood, the, uh, the property is consistent with the five acre minimum and that's consistent with generally with a rural neighborhood. And rural neighborhood based on the general plan and the community plan uh, allows for um, care homes, residential care homes. Um, because it's a residential care home, it is considered a residential use. So therefore, staff determined that it would be consistent with the surrounding neighborhood. We also reviewed it as part of the mitigated negative declaration for the project and determined that the impacts would be less than significant because it would be a minimal increase in residents in the uh, area. And therefore, we determined um, that it is consistent with the surrounding neighborhood. Number four, the care home results in overconcentration and does not meet uh, the definition of a single family residence. That is accurate. It does not meet the single family, uh, a 12 person does not meet the definition of a single family residence within the zoning ordinance. A six person facility is de um, designated as a single family residence and uh, that would be allowed um, but since this is a 12 person, it, it doesn't meet that. It would meet the um, definition of just a care home in general. Um, but over concentration by state law, it is aimed at over, it's actually over concentration of care homes in the area. So the care homes in this area, the closest one is two miles away and the over concentration based on the state law um, it addresses care homes that would be 300, within 300 feet of a care home. So in this case, since it's two miles away, we did determine that um, this would not result in over-concentration. And the fifth one is uh, that the improvements that are required uh, by the DRC would conflict with fire and county, um, fire standards. Uh, 
Um, but uh, the original um, proposal was a turnaround. This was fire, um, a turnaround in front of the uh, residence. And after um, we had originally looked at this, the fire worked with engineering and surveying and determined that a uh, three turnouts and the improvements that are required on Rasmussen Road would satisfy fire requirements. Uh, staff concurs and determined that this does not conflict with fire requirements. Therefore, I will close my comments, and uh, I'm open for questions. I just have one, one question, Melody. Um, you made a mention that it's, um, it's still considered residential, although obviously it's a commercial activities, but you meant residential versus C1 zoning or C2 zoning, that kind of commercial. Well, it's actually considered residential. It is commercial, but it's considered right. residential because um, the Persons living there are living full time. Right. So it's basically an increase in residence in a residential uh, sort of use. Okay, thank you. Let me see, I have, a, I have kind of a question with regards to the zoning and uh, the, the use permit, you know, talks about a lot of construction and that kind of stuff. It's boilerplated pretty much uh, what you'd see in a use permit. But uh, in this case, uh, there's three structures Correct. already existing on the property. Correct. And so uh, maybe you could go through, maybe it's just for my information, but at any rate, it, it sounds like, uh, you know, as far as building one more uh, guest home would be consistent with the zoning. And then there's a third building, and I presume that these were all permitted, but. That's correct. Maybe you can go through the process, just so I understand. Um, the process of all three. Yeah, how, how do we get to three buildings on this property? And okay. are, we, uh, are we backing up and approving something that was built without a permit? Or is it, you know, obviously I guess it's permitted, but just explain that. Um, yeah, all structures were uh, constructed with a um, valid building permit. Um, originally, it was a single-family residence, um, which is just a generally allowed use, obviously. Um, the second structure was um, a secondary residence. Um, it's limited to 1,200 square feet, and that's approximately the size of the one on the property. And then the guest home is 2,700 square feet. It was also permitted. Um, it actually had a variance request originally with our original minor use permit, um, request and that was approved by the zoning administrator. So it's located 41 um, feet from the pro or excuse me the uh, road easement of Rasmussen Road. But so that was constructed and a uh, fairly large um, amount of square footage um, is allowed for a five-acre property. So the 2,700 square feet does meet that that square footage. Um, since these are all um, existing on the property, no other structures would be built, and no other structures are proposed. Um, and then I should mention that the designation of those two structures where they will be housed, uh, while they are called a single-family resident, or excuse me, secondary residence and a guest home right now, with the approval of the minor use permit, that would essentially change to simply residential care home. Okay. So... Uh so the existing zoning would allow three essential houses on that parcel? Correct. What you're saying? That's correct. Okay. Secondary residences and guest homes are both allowed on the property. 
And what, what's that now? I'm sorry. Um, secondary residences and guest homes are allowed on a property with a single-family residence. What's the, what's the difference between a secondary and a guest home? The secondary is just a general residence, and the guest home does not contain a kitchen. And, excuse me, you have a 30-day limitation on a guest stay in a guest home, uh, and it can't be rented, whereas a secondary residence can be rented. Okay. I think I understand. Okay. Well, and I'm confused. I'll try. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was uh, 30 days. I don't have uh, These people are going to be staying there longer than 30 days, so how do, you, how do you, they get around that? And uh, also, kind of following up on Richard's comment, how, I was unaware that you could have three living structures on a property. Um, is, I mean, there's an acreage limitation to that, so is it, is it a five-acre minimum to be able to do that? Or what is there? That's, that's right. With a five-acre, uh, each zoning district has a coverage limitation. Um, with the three structures, that's what you would be uh, probably looking at as far as those three structures are concerned because they are all allowed generally just by right in that zoning designation. Um, with a five-acre property, it's relatively significant. Generally, it's something like 25% of the property. Um, so it is consistent with that. And then as far as the guest, the basically, quote, guest home and uh, secondary residence, um, both of those are, that's the name right now. But the point of the minor use permit is to basically modify those two structures uh, to basically be the residential care home. So from here on out, if it were approved, uh, it would be called residential care home guest home and secondary residence, the names would go away. They'd no longer apply because now it's a residential care home. Okay, let me just kind of follow up a little bit on that. Now, it appeared in the staff report that, that uh, a, a six-person home could be uh, on the property as a matter of right. That's correct. In the, in the zoning. That's right. And so basically, uh, I don't know which one of the homes is the, uh, currently a uh, uh, home care, but one of them currently is a home care with six people in it, apparently. That's right. And so what we're talking about today in the use permit is permitting an additional up to six. Is that correct? That's correct. And that would be in one of the other structures or the other structure? Yes, that's right. That would be in the guest house. In the guest house. Correct. Okay, and then maybe another question that um, as far as uh, I didn't see much in the report as far as uh, obviously there will be uh, some people that, that work, work there as well as parking needs for uh, visitors. That's right. And so uh, how is that addressed? Uh, all the parking is, that was required um, is on the property. Uh, each residence has um, enough parking. Um, the um, I'm sorry. Can you repeat the second part of that question? Well, you know, there's workers oh. and visitors. Right. And obviously there's some county standards that require a certain amount of parking. And I'm assuming that that was addressed, but I didn't see it in the staff report. So um, the condition use permit. I think we... 
discussed Used permit, I mean. that the parking does uh, I think we discussed that the parking does that there is parking requirements and it does meet that parking requirement it's a small uh, it's a it's a short sentence in the staff report that does Was address it? that um, okay, I guess I missed it sorry no, that's okay. Um, got to read all the sentences. Yeah. <laughs> Even the short ones. Can't read it by the handful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, people visiting the sites, uh, from what I understand and um, from what I looked at, uh, there aren't a great deal of people that visit the residences or the residents that are located within these care homes. However, uh, people will be visiting, and that would increase uh, the traffic um, on the road minimal, minimally. Yeah. And then it's not the traffic; it's just uh, yeah. You know, I'm thinking obviously, if you're going to have uh, a guest home that's with up to 12 people, you're going to have employees and you're going to have visitors, and so I was just assuming that the county would have some kind of standard as to the number of parking places or. Yes, Com that's right. Commissioner Johnson, if I could jump in. For, for residential care facilities, one parking space is uh, required for each two persons that are cared for. Okay. And that would, yeah. that would, that would you know, that recognizes the need for employee housing as well. Okay. Or not housing, I'm sorry, employee parking. And that was determined to exist currently then? Uh, yes, it is. It has been determined that they exist. Okay. And the other thing I would add is that the employees are live-in. So, and they aren't counted towards the residents, towards the residents within. Um, so, it, it wouldn't be, um, so yes, there's enough, there's enough parking area. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Let me clarify the, the business of the, if, not not counting the the care facilities there now, but with that zoning, you could have basically two homes. The primary residence, the owner would have, and if I wanted to rent that second home, or anybody could want to rent it, I could rent it out, and they would I would be my place where I could live. Yes. And then the guest yes. home, uh, you can't rent it out, and it doesn't have any kitchen facilities. So it's just meant for people as guests of the main person, I guess, or even the secondary house to use it as a place to sleep basically because you're a guest and you'd be coming to the main house to eat. So this this use permit basically is making that second, the, the guest house, basically another residence. Yes. I mean, uh, uh, and then, but then, yeah, residence so you could actually house people there. That's right. Okay, thank you. I guess that's it. I would like, <laughs> I would like to add that uh, we also determined um, that there was no merit to the issues raised in the appeal and that we would like to recommend approval, um, ex pardon me, denial of the appeal and that you uphold the zoning administrator's approval as well as his conclusion that the environmental document is adequate for the project. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, is the appellant here? I am. Dana? Yeah, Dana, you're, you get to give us your... Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for your time today. Um, my name's Dina Delap, and this is where um, myself and my neighbors live. Uh, this is our road. This is um, just around my house. This is where a pasture of animals live. And this is my car driving down the road, and you can see my front end. So that is just to show you our neighborhood character 
and the width of our road. Um, I want to also, if you don't mind, um, address some of the, the things that they had spoke of um, and, and pr provide you that they do have validity. Um, so one of our concerns is uniqueness of character in our community. Um, we are a rural area. Um, each one of us have little um, uh, instances of trying to make improvements and going to the board, or I'm sorry, the zoning and planning and asking for permits in our own um, instances. In this situation, we feel that these three homes were not properly permitted um, before going to the zoning department this last time and then asking the planning department to go ahead and approve it. Um, the planning department itself has stated that since it's existing now, meaning built, regardless of how it was built and what rules were followed, um, we're going to give you a variance of the, instead of requiring you to have been 75 feet and initially having supposed to have followed the rules. Now that you didn't follow the rules, we're willing to give you that variance of 41 feet. We'll change what the fire department initially required, and now we're going to take widen the road in front of one of my neighbor's homes because the gentleman, Mr. Miles, didn't um, get the permits correctly. Um, it's my understanding, although I have not been on the property, his, Mr. Miles' property, there are not 12 parking spots. Um, Mr. Miles also had mentioned, um, um, so land use and, and requirements. Um, our road has changed. Our traffic is significantly different. We all see um, emergency vehicles. I have children on this road. I like that they get to play on this road in Placer County. I, I enjoy that. I enjoy the, the rural neighborhood and uniqueness of character in our neighborhood. Now, Placer County has developments for um, um, unincorporated areas um, such as mandarin orchards, fruit orchards, art drives, mandarin walk runs, community events, art developments. It does not have on its agenda private individual communicating to the county after building his facility that he wants to change his zoning area and combine three residents into one single family resident. Um, also, they stated um, information earlier about having six elderly individuals in the home. It can be considered an elderly care facility. That's true if you live in the home. It's a federal requirement. The federal government encourages counties to have um, facilities for elderly care home people um, to be taken care of. If you live there with six residents maximum, it's considered a residence. It does not state that if you are on the property and you build extra homes, you can combine all of them into one, change the zoning, and then have 12 to um, additional residents. Um, so our neighborhood isn't against the existing structure that he has with six residents. We've never disputed it's already there. We're not saying we want you to consider that. We're just asking you to please preserve the character and quality of our neighborhood as it is, and also to please um, stand up for, um, I'm sorry, I need to read my note, um, to please encourage the rural unique character of Placer County as it's done instead of encouraging a private person their own um, agenda to not follow Placer County zoning requirements and rules and 
um, then be rewarded by changing those rules and giving the private entity a financial benefit. Thank you. Okay, Dina, just one, oh, I'm sorry. one question. You've been there and they've had the residence with the six people in it. Mm -hmm. has, has that been a burden on the neighborhood? I mean, have, have you seen it has cars at a time sitting out in front? Have you seen people wandering? It has been a change. Um, so in the circumstances, um, burden being a very heavy word, um, change is what I'll use. Um, the, there's a couple of quick examples, one being that um, when he did have employees going down the road er very early morning, um, we would see them and we would wonder who these people are on our road because we're used to the same people. And um, also, on this particular road, this tree here is where this embankment goes up, and then my property is over here, and it falls right off. And um, there was a situation where I was driving on this road, and I was almost to the driveway up here where we all pull over for each other on the driveways so that oncoming traffic can get by. Um, there was three cars coming my direction. I didn't know because it was evening that it was an elderly gentleman until he got to me. He had his headlights on. It was in a large vehicle. Um, he was coming fast, and I thought, what is that person doing? I recognize that they're not from our neighborhood if they're driving like that on the road. And I couldn't get over, so I'm trying to get up to this area, and he continues to come and goes up on the embankment and then almost hits my car. Right behind him, and he was an elderly gentleman, was the ambulance, and then right behind him was Mr. Miles on his cell phone. So assuming there was an emergency, um, that would be consistent with our concerns that not only is this roadway issue and, and traffic issue because we do pull over for each other, but also for the residences themselves. How are the emergency vehicles going to be able to get to them all of the time when we live on a dead-end cul-de-sac road that's a country road and he has existing 12, or ex I'm sorry, existing six and now he wants to increase his traffic, his road traffic. Did that answer your question? Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. I have a question, Dina. Just one question. You said that the buildings were not properly permitted. In in what respect, did, um, from your opinion, and I'll ask the staff, as far as they didn't get the building permits, or they build them, Cer they build it too close to the property. I understand that. I guess there's a variance there, but. They didn't get the building permits, they just built them, and, and now they don't have building permits at the county? Is that what you're saying or not? Well, my understanding of what the situation is is that the, initial, the third building was built under the veil of it wasn't going to be a residence. Um, and then the guest house, you mean? And the, well, the third structure. So there's the initial residence, that, and then there's the 1,200 square foot, and then the third. Um, it, it was confusing to me, too, so I apologize if I don't get all of my... Mm -hmm. uh, what I do know is that when the building was going on, we were all wondering, why is someone building right there? It's too close to the road. Um, and I don't know for fact what happened with the permitting, but I do know that when we came to planning um, at this building here, um, it was to contest the idea that they were going to grant variances and, and permits to him at that point because he, it was now built and he didn't have the proper permitting and zoning at that time. So they, I don't know the word, there's, there's a passing of something. Well, maybe staff can help us out. What, 
what about this business that's not wasn't permitted or they built it too close to the road or or the property line what what's what gives there they were permitted and it was the guest home was constructed too close to the um, uh, right-of-way of Rasmussen Road and that was corrected with the variance that was approved it was after the fact but it was it was approved um, by the zoning administrator at the last hearing but the but the building was had all the right permits but somehow the county let it slip through that it was built too close to the property line I mean I don't I'm not trying to blame <coughs> the county. I'm just saying and so so the now that it's all built out and everything but but the building itself had all the proper permits Yes. I think, though, in our, our packet, actually the variance for the setback is not being contested. Part, is not I know, being I know that, but I'm just trying to clarify what Nina was saying with what staff's opinion is and just trying to clarify that. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Denio, Commissioners. Sharon Bosworth with Engineering and Surveying Division. So what happened is when we received the use permit application and we took a closer look at it, sometimes what gets overlooked is we have roads, this is a county maintained road, and some of the roads are in the highway deficiency report. So although this road right-of-way is 50 feet wide that was created with the original subdiv, well, this, it was 50 feet with the parcel map for this property is why it has a 50-foot right-of-way. Much of the road has much less right of way than that. So the highway deficiency report calls for 60 feet. So to further explain, the house with the variance approved is 41 feet from the ultimate right of way. So it's 71 feet from the center line of the existing road is what was approved. So the, the inspector, as you can imagine, that was pretty easy to miss. It, it appeared yeah. that it met the setbacks is what I want, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, okay. So there were two conflicting setbacks and they did it to the lesser so, of the two and that's the reason right so we're dealing with this every day we are we're but the building what i want to clarify the building itself had all the proper permits so the only thing that the zoning administrator was was um changing or approving was was uh, was a setback a variance to the because of this setback. issue like you just stated agreed okay Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, is it's the applicant like to respond? Good morning, uh, Chair Denio, members of the Planning Commission. Uh, Nick Avdis with the Thomas Law Group on behalf of the Mele family, the uh, applicant in, in, this, uh, in this matter. Just wanted to touch on a couple of things um, to clarify. Um, um, yeah, that the variance was in fact not appealed and that in fact the, the, the fact that the setback wasn't met was just a matter of minor oversight and the, the buildings are fully permitted. I think it's important to note that, that um, you know, it wasn't told about the guest house. It is a, in a five bedroom, three and a half bath um, uh, guest house. And then frankly, that is the subject of the use permit. And, and that's what's happening by applying for this use permit you know, it, it changes the character of that guest house. Obviously, the guest house has certain limitations in the zoning code with the use permit. Now, that changes and allows it to become a residential care facility, and it would allow for the installation of a kitchen, for example. It is no longer a guest house. So I know that that wasn't a question earlier. I just wanted to clarify that point. 
So um, uh, each of the attributes, I would say, of this project have been thoroughly vetted. Obviously, there's a very extensive uh, staff report as well. Uh, you know, with all the attachment, there's a mitigated neg deck with extensive uh, environmental analysis that looked at everything, including traffic and circulation, uh, life safety issues, and on those points, you know, obviously, the you know Rasmussen Road. Um, while we all agree isn't like a new road that you'd find in newer parts of the, the county as far as a cross-section is concerned. The county did conclude, and with the input of, of the Loomis Fire Protection District, that that road, with the improvements that this project is conditioned on, is adequate to serve um, this facility, the proposal. But not only that, I think there's an important conclusion that the analysis draws that it actually improves the safety on that road by doing the improvements to Valverde and Rasmussen and, and doing the turnouts, it does benefit the project, certainly, but it does provide a greater benefit to increase uh, you know, safe vehicle safety along Rasmussen Road. Um, there was another comment that I had seen uh, later um, in the process regarding the septic system. I just wanted to touch on that. Nobody mentioned that yet, but you know, obviously that's a concern. There's wells and septics out here. Um, the, the guest house currently has its own independent uh, septic system, and one of the conditions from environmental health was to get it inspected and pumped as part of, prior to any occupancy as a residential care home. I do want to hand out for the record, we went ahead and did that, and it, it did come out fine. So I'd just like to give this to the clerk and be happy to pass these out. But it just concludes that this, that everything is fine with regards to the septic system. So, so there's two septic systems, is what you're saying. Yes. So basically, yeah. So basically, the main residence and um, and environmental health is here. I'm sure they yeah. they could answer. But my understanding is is that that the main residence and the secondary residence are in a combined system. The secondary home has its own tank, but it shares a leach field with the primary residence. But the guest house that we're talking about here. Uh, has its own independent septic system with its own leach field. So you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe environmental health just could clear that up just so while we're on this point. Maybe real quick, if you if you have that answer, you can just respond. So it's one leach field, three tanks, or. You know, I think that we should refer to environmental health for this. Okay. Um, Laura Rath from Environmental Health is here to discuss it. That way it just gets it out so if somebody brings it up later, we all already know. <laughs> Hi, yes, I'm Laura Rath with Environmental Health. There are two septic systems. There's three tanks. There's a separate tank to each residence. The um, main residence and the secondary residents are tied into a common leach field. It's all in the same area. It's tied in a little bit differently, but there is one septic system to the two residences and one septic system for the guest house. And, and since it was all approved by county and permitted by county, I'm sure the leach field is big enough for the two tanks and everything. So if the issue comes up that, you know, you've got a 100-foot leach line. Yes. The septic system was installed and is adequately sized for the proposal by the applicant. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. And it was permitted, inspected by our department, so. Okay, okay. that answers. Mm -hmm. oh. Thank you. Yeah. Sure. I think that's, that's you. That's you. That's <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. And I did also want to say that um, as far as, you know, overall impacts, I mean, certainly there's some minimal level of impacts as the environmental analysis shows. You're changing a use of a guest house that's occasionally used for a guest house. I mean, it is used for family and other guests that use that facility. And now you're going to have, you know, six permanent residents there. I will tell you the traffic uh, analysis did show that we had less than, generated less than one peak hour trip. And I mean, it goes along after talking with the family that runs the, the facility now. It, anecdotally, you know, as much as we like to think that people visit their family members in these care homes, it doesn't happen as often as you think. And in fact, you know, there's folks that are currently at the residence who don't receive, you know, uh, a visitor for months at a time. That's not to say that people won't visit, but uh, you're just not going to have, you know, the folks that live in these homes do not drive. Uh, you have occasional family visits. The employees are living and they are family members. Um, you know, uh, generally uh, there's, there's no other additional uh, traffic by virtue of the additional six um, uh, six residents. It's it's pretty de minimis, and the analysis kind of proves that out. You know, I would uh, I would conclude that you know as a public policy matter, uh, I mean I think we can all agree that you know the statistics show that we have an aging population. The need for residential care facilities are are only going to increase. You know, and some folks obviously there's the on one end of the spectrum there's you know in essence what we consider the warehousing of folks in these large mass facilities that take care of elderly individuals. You know, on the other end are these small residential care facilities that do, do fill a need. I mean, they're located out in the country. You know, in this case, it's a very idyllic setting. And many of you are familiar with the area. Mr. Johnson, obviously, that's your district. I know you're familiar with that area. It's, it's very beautiful out there. And I visited the site on several occasions. And, you know, frankly, I'd, I'd want to live there, you know, and definitely would want my family members to, to live there. And so I think, you know, it's important to, as a public policy matter to encourage, you know, facilities like this to serve the greater community uh, in the South Placer region and, and outside of that, obviously, because it's, it's not limited to just folks in South Placer. But I think this is definitely filling a need. There aren't a whole lot of these facilities. And I think, you know, public policy dictates that, you know, we should be encouraging these to some, to some degree. And I think that this is an appropriate location. You know, the staff has concluded that it's an appropriate location. The environmental analysis, you know, concludes that it's an appropriate location with certain mitigation measures, obviously. So with that, I would urge you to uh, deny the appeal and uphold the uh, zoning administrator's approval of this minor use permit. So with that, I'd be happy to answer any specific questions you have. Uh, Mr. Mele is here on behalf of his family uh, to answer any you know, operation-specific questions. So thank you for your time this morning. Okay, maybe just, just one question. It came up with the employees and stuff. How, how many people are employees, including the owner and family, are on site? So, yeah. Two okay, two employees and and then, uh, I guess you live there. Yeah, they're living. It's twenty-four hour care. Obviously, that's the point of a. Right. Yeah, it's twenty-four hour non-medical care is what what's provided. Okay. And one of the employees lives in my house, and one in the facility most of the time, and they take turns, and I'm there too, and I want to say, uh, I'm the one. Oh, okay. Can maybe. Come up to the mic and just um, state, state your name. And Hi, my name, so is Peter, my, my name is Peter Mille, and I'm in uh, these uh, care homes for 20 years. And um, I'm licensed for Alzheimer's and dementia. And like I said, my employees are in living facility. I'm the one going, doing the shopping to Denio, to Casco, to Winco. I'm the one buying the produce for my, all my residents. I'm the one. Uh, 
providing the transportation of the medication. Uh, I have in my mind in the morning a very good schedule when I'm leaving. I'm going for the pharmacies, for shopping, coming back home, and take care about the, the, the residents and my employees. Okay, just, just to clarify a little more with the employees. They, they live on site. Yes, sir. And you bring in six, six more people. You're bringing in any more employees? Will be only my daughter. So, so total. One. So one, one additional more, employee. One additional, one additional employee, yes. Plus be. The, the six. Yes. Um, and yes. it's up to six. I mean, while we'd like to think that there's, uh, obviously, this is not, you know, six, it's up to six. So that's, yeah. you know. Yes. But I, yeah, I was just saying. Yeah. We, we just base yeah. it on. Yes, on and the most level. large facilities and the skilled nursing facilities, they have one uh, employee to 10 people in the large facilities, for example. Uh, but they are in the schedule. I'm not in the schedule. They are 24 hours leave in. They are not going anywhere, maybe once in a while doing some shopping for themselves. That's it. Oh, okay. But once so, in a while. so there's always one person in, the care, in that care home there 24 hours a day. There's somebody there 24 hours a day. Yeah, helping them. Yeah. So in essence, Mr. Mealy acts as a floater. Obviously, he floats when needs change and the employee needs they need to run out or he'll run out and get errands. But there's always somebody uh, with the folks 24 hours a uh -huh. day. And, and the, your, the people that you're catering to aren't driving or if somebody is able to drive you only have one or two or or none. Need drive. no no one drives no one drives no one drives okay, so no it's basically drives. just the, and the family the, or family members that yes. come to visit and as Nicolai's mentioned I have um, family they live in uh, Reno in, in, I'm sorry in Napa I have a family member uh, he lives in Denver Colorado he's coming only twice a year to visit his mother I have another lady, she's uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. Then uh, maybe, and I can, I can pay, somebody can monitor how many cars are coming per month to my care home, and you'll see it will be less than 10 people probably a month, visitors I'm talking about. And so, so it, yeah, so obviously from that comment, based on his experience, you're not generating a lot of traffic with folks. I mean, that's, that's the the experience that Mr. Mealy has. No, has probably had. if you have teenager kids, two teenager kids in your house, you'll have more traffic come and go from their friends than in these type of care homes. Oh, right. okay, thank you. Mr. See, maybe I'm still a little bit confused. Yeah. Now, you're gonna have two care homes, right? Two six-bed care homes, right. One that's currently in the secondary dwelling that's current, currently operating. Right. And then one, if the use permit is approved, in the guest house, the, the which the, will have six. Correct. Yeah, it's a five-bedroom, three and a half bath guest house, but it would be an up to six bed. Okay. Uh, you know. And, and so was, to mention, this care home is for six years, and instead I still have I start having this process. No one on my neighbors knew it was an existing care home on my property. Right. Nobody okay. knew. Okay. So then you say uh, one additional employee, so three employees. Well, yes, two employees and Mr. Melee. So there's three three people working. And uh, is there one employee in each home Correct. all the time? So yes. you have two people that are working on site. You yes. Will. Yeah. Okay. There's in the care home. There's always somebody there, whether it's the employee or if the employee, because the employees live in. Obviously, they need to go have their own time in the primary residence to. So Mr. Melee comes in and obviously takes her. But there's okay, so always each, somebody there. Yeah. Each 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 home, there'll be one person yes. living there all the time. Yes. Okay, thank you, Nick. Thank you. Okay. Um.
anybody from the public like to address this issue? Good morning, gentlemen. Steve Rundle. I live on Rasmussen Road with my family. I'm relative, relatively new to the conflict here today, but uh, I'm absolutely against permitting this applicant's uh, permit to expand the use of his property. If I could have that, uh, the applicant's representative, if I, if, I, if I could have the site map, please, for a moment. Who, where'd she go? Oh, thank you. Page 12. So Rasmussen Road is over to the right. The guest home is the 3260 closest to Rasmussen Road. Then the secondary home is further up here with the X's. And then the main home is above it. Now, the application is for granting, I believe, 7964 Rasmussen, the main home. That's where the applicant lives. That's where the documents represent that a single, the language is that it houses a single family. Well, I, was spoke, I spoke yesterday to um, California State Social Services. 7964 is a licensed residential care facility, now, presently, operating. Therefore, if you approve this permit, there will be 18 beds approved for this location. Not 12, 18. 10,500 square feet of residential care. I, have, I, I brought the, uh, I brought the um, screenshot of the social services uh, licensing of this address. The main home is currently a residential care facility. So then that's a, that's a huge issue. We're really overburdening our idyllic rural neighborhood with 18 beds total, potentially. I don't know if, it, if the applicant will say he's using it for that, but I know it's licensed for that. Currently, as of today, if you approve the other two structures, a total of 18 will be allowed by law on that property. I have a quick question, and you're saying right now today from your records that the main home is, has the license. I'm just asking, you don't have to. Yes, sir. But that the presently the guest house, not talking about the the guest house, but the secondary residence where where uh, people are are being housed now. But 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 the So you're getting a new permit for seven S T if the process is achieved. Wait, 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 hold on. If I if I could clarify, there there you know, there there may well be discrepancy between physical property addresses, but but this permit uh also identifies the assessor's parcel number. And there's one 
there's one assessor parcel number to this property and the, the permit that you're hearing the appeal on is the parcel and the request was for 12 residents. Right, so if, if he wanted to bring six more on, he'd still have to come and go through this process. Absolutely. Again. So it's not, so really that's a non-issue. I'm afraid so. I, let me just, if I may respectfully disagree. Well, he, if he's got three houses there and he's only allowed by the county for two, that's, so 12 people, that's all that he gets to do under the, the county. Now, I don't know the state, and actually I'd have to probably ask him how they do it. I, I understand the, the reasoning behind the individual addresses to each home, because if somebody gets mail and it's a secondary home, if you have two, three, four, or five, and it's even one parcel, they're still going to give a specific address for emergency and contact and stuff each home. Well, I would, no, I would, I would agree with planning. It is confusing. It's very confusing. It took some time to get to the bottom of it. And based on that confusion, I would say the notice to the public was inadequate. We, 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 were, we weren't aware that all of this was going to potentially be used for residential care facilities. Now, if that is existing now, if my representation is correct. Sir, right. uh, Sir um, if you'd like to point at the map, that uh, yeah, little tool has a pointer on it so you can point. Um, maybe somebody else can help me with this, but the, the existing residence is licensed currently. What you're being asked to approve is the two other structures today. So if you're saying that only 12 can be on the entire parcel, then you must deny the permit request because you're going to be approving an additional six beyond the 12. That is currently the situation. No. That's, that, that's not the situation. I mean, it, as, as stated. Is the request he, for 12 more? If he has a license that says he can have 18 or whatever can say, that we're the body that says exactly how many can go into to this. So, am I am I understanding you correctly? You're saying that you'd limit the parcel to 12. Yeah, that's okay. What, that's, that's what that's our planning staff just said. That it's a we're talking about a parcel, not an individual address. That's that's correct. Anything over six is subject to this minor use permit. The request is for a total of 12. By parcel, what you're telling us. That's right. correct. The it parcel is. you're looking at. The parcel, the whole, the whole parcel, not individual addresses. That's correct. So that's that, a, that's clarification. If it's limited to twelve, it's a whole new ball. Yeah. No. And right. That's, that's, that's what, what it I just heard. Here, and that's what we're hearing. Yeah. Uh, regarding the traffic, it has been pointed out that Rasmussen is a closed end. It's a dead end. So every car that goes by, in fact, this this parcel is. The end of Rasmussen Road. Every car that comes down Rasmussen must exit the same way. I don't know if the traffic studies, uh, you know, um, presume that there's another outlet, but not so here. Every car that comes into Rasmussen to this residence must exit the same way it came. That's all that I have. Okay. Maybe for clarification. You can explain when they do traffic studies that it's for that road. It's right. 
<clears throat> so in this case, we actually didn't do a traffic study. We simply used the Institute of Traffic Engineers uh, trip generation manual. So based on the proposed use to add six residential care persons, so we, we take what's existing, what's allowed, and we say what their request, so they're requesting to add six. So to add six residential care uh, units, it, it, it equates to less than one the addition of one residential home. Does that answer your question? Or? Yeah, I, it, it does for me as mm -hmm. any of the other commissioners. Ever. Sorry, if I had, may just have one more brief moment. The, um, all the representations were that this was a single family home, the main residence, that a single family was housed here. All of that's in all the staff reports everywhere. It's not true, it's licensed to be a, f a facility. So that, that's a, it's a misrepresentation. So notice, I think, was a little bit shaky as far as what the public was aware of. But here's the interesting part. If I could have the preceding page. It's an aerial photograph. Okay. Mr. Chair, members of the commission, if I could make um, one hopeful clarification here. What you have before you is a use permit for a request for a 12-bed residential facility. A use permit runs with the land. It will run with this APN. As EJ mentioned before, the fact that there might be multiple mailing addresses is irrelevant. Uh, the use permit, if it was upheld, would allow a maximum of 12 residents. Now, there are licensing requirements through the state of California for these particular facilities, whether you have one for six beds or less, 12 beds, 72 beds. So I don't want the commission to be um, mixing up licensing requirements and whatever the licensee might have used as a mailing address for that license with what's before this commission, which is a use permit for 12 beds. Right, and it's just the one parcel because when you say 300 exactly. feet, it would be a separate parcel. Correct. Okay. I guess maybe for further clarification, <laughs> then, uh, the guest house becomes not a guest house anymore. It's a care facility. But... Uh, where the owner puts the 12 people, I guess probably between the three buildings would be a material as long as it doesn't go over 12. Is that correct? That would be something that they would be discussing with the state as to where they're housing those 12 residences. But they could house them in any of the three buildings. I, I'm not going to speak for the state as to where they can house them. I could tell you for purposes of this use permit, what you're doing and what Melanie had explained during her presentation is the characteristic characterization of this parcel will, if 
the use permit is granted will revert to being known as a residential care facility. So the individual categories of guest house, secondary dwelling, uh, main dwelling will fall by the wayside with respect to what the permitted land use is for this property. Okay. Okay, I understand, thank you. Okay, if there's anybody else in, in the public, well, you, usually what will you do, you get one, one shot. Mr. Okay. Chair, the, the appellant can come up after the public testimony for any rebuttal, yeah. as well as the applicant for any, any comments. Okay, okay. So, so why don't you wait till everybody else speaks and then you can come up because if there's any loose ends or somebody else, come, come ahead, sir, and Hi. give us your name. John Woodard, 7700, Rasmussen. Just a quick clarification, just to piggyback on Mr. Johnson's statement a while ago about we're backing into this thing, yeah. This thing's got a history of mistrust and denial that, that scares me to death. But from what I gather, what happened here today, you're going down that list. The one thing that you're going to hold, us, hold Mr. Millay accountable for is the additional road improvements. Is that correct? Yes. Am I interpreting what you said? All right. He has to meet all so the at this point in space and time, he would not be allowed to open this facility until those road improvements are completed. True or false? Yeah, that would be true. Thank you. And uh, we, got a, we got a nod of the heads of our it's legal staff. and staff over there. So. Okay, is there any, anyone else that would like to speak? Come ahead, sir. Uh, my name is Jim McAvitt. I live at 7734 Rasmussen Road. Um, Rasmussen Road is uh, about a half mile long, a little over a half mile long, with Mr. Malay being on the very end of it. Um, it's a single lane road, dead end. All the traffic does go up, just as everybody said, has to come back down the same road. Um, it's a very narrow road in parts, and already there's uh, jam ups between traffic. And in particular, the traffic where there's jam ups is, is um, people that are not familiar with the road. The residents of the road, there's really no problems. Everybody knows where the turnouts are, that's fine. It's just the new people that come in uh, that, that, that creates a problem. And I, the, amount of traffic to a residential care facility, it's being downplayed here. Um, I'll just give you an example. I had a mother-in-law who was in a residential care facility. My sister-in-law visited daily. So I, I don't know, probably between uh, what they're saying, almost non-existent traffic to my sister-in-law, somewhere in the middle would be what I would expect. I would expect as a good, uh, good sons and daughters that they would visit their parents that are in these facilities often. So there is going to be traffic generated there, regardless of what Emmanuel says. Um, and it's going, to, it's going to be a problem because, as I said, it is a single lane road. Already getting out of driveways is a problem on certain driveways. Um, so anyway, that, that's what I just wanted to emphasize, just to point out uh, that it is a single lane road over a half mile long, dead end, and Mr. Malay is at the top. The, the road goes up, and he's at the top. Traffic coming down gets going pretty quickly. It's a 25-mile-an-hour speed limit, and that's not followed in a lot of cases from the traffic coming down off the hill. So anyway, thank you. Thank you. Come, come ahead and give us your name. And
My name is Kathy Thomas. I live at 7547 Rasmussen, which is the first house coming under this lane. I spend a great deal of time outside uh, in my yard working my dogs, and I see huge amount of traffic. I see ambulance. I see fire trucks. Um, my main question is, I thought a guest home was only a certain percentage of the house. I'm confused how you can have three homes on a parcel. And does that make me, I have eight acres, so am I able to add two more homes on my property and turn them into rehab homes or care homes? I, I thought Placer County had more, um, especially in the rural areas, I thought maybe a guest home is allowed and one home. So now I'm finding out you can build three homes on your property. Just a question. Oh, oh. Was hearing it. And how is a guest home five or six bedrooms and three baths? Three thousand square, square footage of a building that you're putting on. That's what we were hearing earlier. Square footage, and as long as you're within the square footage for the acreage that you have, then I guess so I can the build a yes. three thousand square foot guest home then on my property if I have eight acres. If you have the acres, so. yeah. Yeah. Yes, hmm. basically, yes, you can. Okay, thank you. Okay, is there anyone else? If if not, you know, you can come back up and. Thank you. I just wanted to offer some clarification. Um, since I do have some um, medical experience, um, the rule and the licensing issues with residents and six homes. Um, you can have six beds in the home if you live in the home and in any home. So uh, given, again, the distrust and um, the situation where this whole process has been um, confusing for the last couple of years, um, I want to clarify that for you because he can um, elect to have six beds in his home. He does currently have two Medi-Cal or um, state licenses for care homes. And Mr. Rundle, I concur with that information. There are different residence numbers on those homes. And then lastly, um, if you do vote in favor of making all of this into one facility, you're giving an in, a private individual a right to do something on his property that is not in line with what Placer County wants all of us to do with our, our homes. Because I live on a five-acre parcel also. Um, so that, I just wanted to offer you that clarification. Oh, okay, thank you. So, so just so that he would have that right, regardless of how we vote today, he would have that right from <coughs> state law to get that third license and have six more beds. Okay, maybe one, one answer to that, and I think we've stated it and stated it. We're here to approve up to 12, and that's it. It's not, not any more than that because it doesn't matter if he has 10 licenses and, and 10 homes. Each time he'd have to come back before this body to add six more. And so the only approval is just for 12 residences. Actually, just six new ones from what, what the existing is. Nick, did you? We don't have anything to add. Oh, okay. I'll close it off to the public and bring it back to the commission for discussion or action. 
Well, I, I think one of my biggest concerns, I think the project is not, not necessarily bad. I think it may be in the wrong spot and uh, from not in that in not that it's in a county or rural area or anything else. I think the road, single lane road into it, a mile and a half, there may not be too many well I mean I mean a half mile, but still half mile is still a long ways. Um, not only with people that aren't familiar with those turnouts, but emergency vehicles and let's face it, they may not be every day, but there's gonna be emergency more emergency vehicles there than at a normal residence um, I we've got history in Roseville on that but so that's the thing that I if it was if it was actually closer to the main road I think it would be a lot better project I, I guess my counter or, or no, my fine. observation to that would be <coughs> um, there's conditions for road improvements to mitigate that right. and then the other part of that is is that Everybody that lives out there apparently is on big acreage parcels. And so the question was brought up, well, can I build a secondary house, you know, to bring in a family and rent? Sure. Yes, they, they could. Everybody out there could. So if you took every parcel, it, it could be more of an impact, but it's more and more, more probably approved, then the county's going to say, okay, more and more improvements to that road would have to be done. So, but the, I, but those other parcels that you just mentioned wouldn't need to get a permit, right? They, they, uh, they have it by right right now. This is an extra and above yeah, and beyond, yeah. and that's why this person has to right. do the road improvements and stuff. And that, yeah, but they're only making right. they're not making road improvements on the whole half mile. They're only making it in one little little spot. I think there's two or three turnouts they have to construct yeah. through the. Oh, I didn't realize they had yeah. two or three. Uh -huh. Sharon Boswell with Engineering and Surveying. So the road improvements that will be required and, and actually were proposed by the applicant, the main improvement is going to be at the intersection of Rasmussen Road and Valverde. I assume all of you visited the site. And mm -hmm. as you can see, the main problem is that the power pole is very close to the edge of pavement, a very, very narrow road. So it will require the, the relocation of that power pole. So the applicant is going to relocate the power pole and widen the road to our standard for the first 50 feet and then at two separate locations on Rasmussen Road we looked or their engineer took a look at what existing right-of-way um, was there as I said it is a county maintained road so there will be two additional turnouts and let's see one turnout is about 650 feet from the intersection with the second one being about 1800 feet from the intersection so the turnout, what that is, is it's about 25 feet in length and then has tapers. So it is to our standard, and they, the applicant's okay. engineer did submit. I didn't realize that. Thank you. Isn't there also some improvements that have to go on uh, in front of the parcel itself? Yeah, that's what the taper. Just uh, to meet our encroachment standard. So, so this would be at the parcel itself? At the parcel. At the end of the road? Right. So to improve the turn around at the end of the road it, and it pretty much meets it already so there may it? be a, a slight modification to the radius okay. so for for our standard on that road it, it meets this it's very close to the standard okay and, and then just for clarification for myself and, and everybody out there with these conditions and stuff before he can bring any more um, 
people into the facility, it has to be final ever, you know, all the conditions have to be met. Right, so the way the conditions granted this, so. prior to commencement of use for the added six or prior to any occupancy of building, assuming that perhaps the guest home, because they would have to have a final for the change in use um, or prior to any business license that would be applied for any of those things, the um, conditions would all need and mitigation measures would all need to be satisfied. Okay. Okay. Okay, well, I would uh, would uh, make a motion to uphold the uh, decision of the zoning administrator and uh, take Mr. Johnson, huh? I apologize for <laughs> For interrupting could we take the motion separately on this one that's going to be my recommendation that you first make a motion regarding whether you're going to grant or deny the appeal then we can go uh, depending on the outcome of that vote we can go to the next motion that way we'll have the record clear okay well I would make the motion then that would be a deny the appeal second okay roll call Yes. 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 Okay. Okay. And uh, the second one would be uh, the motion to adopt the mitigated negative declaration and the um, mitigation monitoring program that has been prepared uh, for the project and has been finalized pursuant to CEQA. Second. Have a motion second. Roll call. Yes. 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 Um, okay. So, and then uh, third, uphold the zoning administrator's decision to approve a minor use permit to allow the operation of a residential care facility on a subject property subject to the attached conditions of approval, which includes the maximum of twelve. Got a second roll call. Yes. 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 Okay. Looks like it's all all granted. If anybody wishes to appeal this item, you have ten calendar days to file with the county, and the appeal fee is five hundred forty-six dollars. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you.